Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us. Whether you're in your car, in the kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone that you love, getting a mani-pedi while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart space, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today is a guest who has chosen to remain anonymous, and with the utmost respect for this guest, I welcome her with all of my heart. Um, I, I'm so happy that you're here, and yes, with the respect of you know having this anonymity, um, I'm, I'm so ready to embrace your story. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to begin your story, um, just a heads up for some of my listeners as well. I am a high school teacher and I know how many uh, dramas and emotions and how difficult high school can be, teenage years, um, the things that we bring on, the emotions that we take on the darks and lights and highs and lows that happen in high school can be, can be pretty rough. And having had a pretty great upbringing, um, you know, and being an active, super involved little lady in your community, high school, from what you've, what you've told me thus far has hit you pretty hard. So if you want to maybe start your story with where did high school take you? High school was just, it was, it was high school in a small town, which is a whirlwind and everyone knows everything about everybody. Yes. So that's, that's always difficult to just process and to, when you're finding your place to have that privacy and then also, you know, come out to who you truly are and be accepted and everything like that. So I think that's, I think everyone from a small town, whether you, whatever bringing you have, upbringing Mm -hmm. you have, you Mm -hmm. experience that in some way. Right. And that's just it too, is just having that supportive family, siblings, nice group of friends, some activities to do, but... Yeah, the small town thing where everybody knows everything it seems about you has got to be, yeah, it's... Yeah. For sure. So, for me, going through high school, I had a lot of ups and downs and processing things and whatnot, and one of my way of processing things was actually Mm self-harming. So, it got to the point where I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could talk to, so I actually set up a therapist for myself and went to the school therapist and talked Mm -hmm. with them. Self-harming... as in cutting. Okay. So you're yeah. cutting. And, it, but was it visible? Was this something that... No, it was never visible. Like, it's, obviously it's on my body, but it's never visible. Like, I would never wear clothing where people could see it. Okay. It was never on my arms. It was never, you know, on the part of my legs that you could see. It was never on, you know, anything. Yeah. Okay. I could go swimming. I could mm-hmm. do whatever and no one would ever know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then this self-harm ended up taking you... What was the catalyst, I guess, into taking you, you know, when you finally you thought like, wow, I should really talk to someone about this? I think when I just couldn't manage it anymore and it became to the point where like it wasn't just a negative emotion. It was, you know, happy emotion or excited emotion or I just want to remember this moment, like something really odd or, you know, yeah, to. Yeah, I just thought it was odd. and It was like, okay, this isn't healthy. I know this isn't good. Mm -hmm. I know this isn't working for me, but this is what I've done for the past, you know, little while. And this is what I know now. Mm hmm. 
So I just knew I needed to change it and didn't know how to at that point. Right. So that was my first step into taking that. So, so there was a therapist that you just mentioned um, at the school. Yeah, okay. they bring somebody in and they're great. She was like, she was the best person, the best therapist that I've ever had in my whole entire life. And I, mm-hmm. I if she's ever listening to this, I hope she knows that she's the best. And so yeah. like, oh God, what a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess too, to find some solace in, in a person or in a space that you can just completely be yourself and share those raw emotions and you know what makes you you or what makes you upset and where you need the help in a small town I guess would feel really liberating yeah and she held that space so well and she just yeah she was an incredible incredible woman Mm -hmm. and she brought me to the place where um where she thought that I could actually have bipolar Mm -hmm. excuse me so um she brought me to a psychiatrist and, you know, we did the whole process of having the interview, having the talk, going through certain things, you know, what's your, what's your history like, what's your, how do you appear, everything like that, and taking that into account of what your mental health state is. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing that they don't um, talk about is, like, what's your diet like? Really? Yeah. Well, that's they kind of what I thought is, you know, how do you get to a bipolar diagnosis? Talking. It's just all talking. Yeah. It's not about what your lifestyle's like. It's your family history, how you present yourself, what's your, you know, you're in high school, you're partying, you're drinking, you're smoking pot, you're doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's a given. Um, but they don't ask you about lifestyle, diet, what are you doing, hmm. what are you eating? Mm-hmm. Which oh. is, if you ask me at that time... With everything else, I was eating cat food every day, right. which every everybody knows what cat food is like, yeah. which is shit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got the diagnosis of bipolar, and so how long had you been speaking with the therapist before this diagnosis came around? I was probably talking with her for a few months. Yeah, once a week. Yeah, once a week. Yeah, great to have had that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't just, like, an off-the-jot thing. Right. But, yeah, I had seen him once, and then he had diagnosed me. Mm-hmm. So then how did that diagnosis change you? Did you... Was it something that you felt like you could... Um, or what was it? What was the barrier that this diagnosis now presented you with? Could you, could you tell people about this, or...? Um, I, f- I feel like when I was given that title or that label, mm-hmm. I feel like I used it as a crutch. Okay. And I I feel like it was more of an excuse when something happened. Like, oh, like I'm bipolar. That's that's why. Right. Or, you know, it took the work out of actually it took it took me away from working what I actually need to work on because mm-hmm. that was my excuse. Oh, I'm bipolar. So if something would come up, I wouldn't actually dive into the deepness of it or like why am I feeling this or why am I reacting the way that I'm reacting? It was no, like I'm bipolar, so that's a normal thing. Right. So, it, I use that as almost like a band-aid. Mm-hmm. So, how was this treated? I was put on uh, medications. Mm-hmm. I was put on antipsychotics and then antidepressants and a mixture of those. And that was on for about six, six, yeah, six, seven years. Six, seven years. Yeah. How was your, what was your family's reaction to this? My 
my family's reaction um, was actually really supportive because I was having just a hard time in general. Mm -hmm. So obviously my family felt that and they knew things were going on. Um, but their reaction that stuck the most was that like if I ever went off the medication, like I'd be, you know, that would be a big conversation to have and I would not be as welcome in the house. Mm. So with that being said, when I'm thinking about going off the medication or, you know, it's almost like a, like you have one choice and that's to be on the medication and live there or not be off or right. be off the medication and, you know, find stuff for, out for yourself. So then that was like a big battle internally that you would have been having. Yeah, absolutely. Did you feel like you needed the medication? <laughs> no. Oh, I didn't, no, I didn't. I knew, I knew that I was processing something. I knew that I needed help, yeah. but to be told at 16 that this is medication that you're going to have for the rest of your life uh -huh. is not something that I could fathom at that point. No. Yeah. It wasn't just, it didn't click. It didn't seem right. It absolutely not. What were the side effects? I, one of the medications that I was on, it had a sleep factor to it. So if I had that, I knew I was sleeping in half an hour. When I got off that, that was I could not sleep for the life of me. Mm. I was sleeping everywhere and anywhere and or never and I could I had really really weird dreams. I had really like weird body stuff like I go really dry or really just like sweating all the time. Hmm. Just yeah. And there was times where um like you would just get really depressed or like your mind is messed up because there are drugs that mess with your mind. Mm -hmm. So to be to have a certain dose and then they're like, oh, we need to up the dose or we need to change the drug yeah. or we need to, you know, do this or change it. It just, it sucks to go through in words that I can't really describe. Like, mm -hmm. it's just so, I guess it would like feel like it's trying to, it's almost like controlling. Yeah. It's, it's controlling you or you, feel you don't that have that power. You feel that like you're, you're trying to shine so vibrant, but there's something over top of you that's dulling you anyways. Right. So do you think you had ever fully accepted that you were bipolar? I I think I might have at one point at the beginning. Yeah. But I think going, like, the longer that I went through it, no. Hmm. Interesting. I, that's, that's really neat. So after high school, so you were um, diagnosed bipolar in high school. And then, so we're obviously going to get to where you had come off these, these pills when we get to this. But um, where did you head after high school? After high school, I uh, ended up going to Ottawa, mm -hmm. and um, I went to to a school for hairdressing and makeup artistry. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So I was doing that, and then I was actually uh, working in Ottawa, too, for some time And um, after that point. Did you enjoy Ottawa? I love Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa I is do such too. a great city. It is. Yeah. It's it's such... I always feel like it has a bit of a small town vibe. It to does it. have a small town vibe yeah. to it. And everyone's so friendly. And, and the market. Oh, oh I, I love, love markets. It. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay. So what's the dating scene like in Ottawa? Uh, well, my dating scene sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you, did you date anyone before? Uh, yeah, I did date, um, a few, a few guys. They were actually yeah. really nice guys. Right. Yeah. They were, I just had to pick the asshole, but yeah, yeah, there was a really few nice guys around yeah. and yeah. So let's get into how you met someone on Plenty of Fish. Where did that one go? He, 
It was, uh, you know what, at the beginning, everything was just like, you know, how I would say the other guys would be. He was a really nice guy. He was, you know, really great, really friendly, everything like that. Yeah. And <clears throat> it came to the point where we we just needed, I was coming to the end of my lease and he was coming to the end of his. But we had a great time before that. We would go out, we would do things and... So you enjoyed um, each other's company for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he he was at the end of his lease as well. Mm -hmm. And it came to the point where we needed to move in together. Right. It's almost kind of, I think those types of things almost feel serendipitous. It's like, well, you're at the end of your lease. Yeah. I'm at the end of mine. It was just synchronicity happening and you know, it was meant to be and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, and you know, I think when we start to enjoy someone's company and you know, something like that happens, um, especially I know myself, I'm just like a very impulsive human. It's like, oh, this feels good. Let's jump in. Right. Yeah. So you'd been dating for a short period of time and then, you know, your both of your leases come up and you're like, you know what? Let's just find a place together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how did that go? That it was good for the first like little bit. And when I mean little bit, I mean like tiny bit. Mm-hmm. It didn't last for too long. Um, he was working, um, like normal days, he was looking working regular days, and I was working um, like quite long days. I'd commute, I'd start at seven and then come back home and be home around seven seven thirty. And, and hairdressing, so yeah, it's like a long day on your feet. Yeah, all day on your feet. Like yeah. we didn't even have a chair in the lunchroom. So, Whew. yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Holy uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So just really really long days, and after having getting into the routine of things and moving and going through all your stuff and like having all the little things to do, like you just Mm -hmm. get exhausted. Right. And, um, yeah. So we just ended up, he was working regular job. I was working long, long hours. So in those long days and in those long hours and you were finding time to enjoy each other's company or were you, um, was it hard to kind of connect or, you know, what was, did you actually go and do fun things together? We would go out and do fun things on our days off, but during, we only had one day off together. Per week? Yeah. Okay. And during that time, like, we would go out, obviously, do things and whatnot, but during the other parts of the week, like, you know, I was very exhausted. I was, I was tired. I want to come home and just eat and, you know, go lay down and relax. Right. So... We're going to kind of shift our conversation here because um, as, as we move forward into the rest of your story, it does get a bit dark. Um, now, intimacy is a big thing in relationships, obviously, as well. And, uh, you know, I think anybody that's been in a long-term relationship of any sort that has, uh, you know, someone or a spouse or a partner that is working long, hard days and then they just don't feel like they're able to connect with their partner. Did you find the time to connect with him and and how and how was it? Uh, in the beginning in the beginning when we were intimate it was fun and playful and all those you know yeah those things that you would like we had good chemistry we worked really well together yeah and then when I started getting tired I you know I'm obviously not as playful I'm not as right you you need your sleep you're working long days yeah making the long days making the money that's right so things went sideways yeah so it got to the point where you know, I was too tired and he'd ask, you know, do you want to have sex or do you want to, you know, fool around? I said, no, like, I just want to, I just want to go to bed. I just want to sleep because mm-hmm. I have to wake up early the next right? morning. Yep, for sure. And, um, 
yeah, the first night when anything happened, I was, I had gone to bed before him. I had told him no. And I woke up and he was, you know, just entering me mm-hmm. and not in the way of like, oh, I'm going to wake her up and I'm going to be, you know, Super nice sweet and playful. Or, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. Nothing of that sort. And, you know, you always think like, oh, if I'm ever put in that situation or if I, you know, if anything mm-hmm. like that like that happens, I'm going to be yelling. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to be protective. Like, I'm what the be hell are you doing, stuff. dude? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. And honestly, your body's just in like um, a fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, a secure mode. And the most secure thing that I could do right then was just pretend that I was still asleep and move till he backed off. And so he eventually did. Yeah. So that happened within a short while of you guys moving in together. Yes. So did it happen again? Yeah, it actually happened two times after that, um, in more more aggressive ways. Mm-hmm. After that as well, um, yeah. So two times after that one time, and because of, you know, everything that he was trying to do, like I was getting a lot of bladder infections. Mm. So it was a really, like, physically it was a hard time. Like, emotionally it was a hard time. Everything was just like, what the fuck is going on? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit of a mix-up, and um, so I was in and out of the doctors trying to get an antibiotic to help with that, Mm -hmm. and it came to the point where, you know, I just had a massive, massive breakdown. Yeah. Tell the listeners even what the the pharmacist had said to you at one point when you were going in for your prescriptions. So at this point, I this was getting my my second prescription filled, and it was a stronger antibiotic, and the pharmacist thought the need that, you know, to give me the talk about cleanliness and, you know, washing and mm-hmm. making sure that you have fresh underwear and breathable and all that kind of stuff that, like, a doctor would tell you when you have, like, a yeast infection or a bladder infection. Mm-hmm. And he's standing right beside me, just, you know, nodding his head, like, he's like, oh, yes, like, we'll, we'll do this and all this kind of stuff. And I just want to, like, Scream burst yeah. in all the, like, the best and worst ways. Yeah. So now at this point in the relationship, now this has now happened more than once. Mm-hmm. How did you bring this up with him in a way to just communicate like, this is not okay? So after the first time it happened, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a day to process it. <clears throat> I had a day to process it because I didn't know like what the fuck was going on. Yeah. So I had to let myself just, you know do whatever I needed to do. And then the day after I like, I said anything and everything that I needed to say to him Mm -hmm. in a, you know, in a way that he would understand in a stern way and a strong way. And every time after he did something, I would still go at it again. And I would still tell him again. his reaction though? Well, you know, if you're telling him like, this is not okay. I am not okay with this. Mm -hmm. Like what the hell are you doing? Um, obviously still in this new relationship, trying to figure kinks out and everything as well. So what was his reaction the first time when you had said to him like this, like, what the hell was that? He was just like, you know, very, he got really small was just like, sorry, but I was just trying to, you know, we could have some fun. We could do this or, you know, I have a high sex drive, stuff like that. Like just made himself seem like, made himself seem like the, like the victim or like the small person or just like it wasn't his fault. He was trying to do it for the better of both of us. Right. He just wanted to connect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, so then it happened more than once. It happened yeah. more than once. And then, um, <coughs> so were you, were you telling anybody about this? No. 
You weren't. I didn't tell anyone until the last, um, until the last time that it had happened, that incident. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a coworker where I was, um, a hairstylist and she had just told me like, if I were to ever, you know, chill with a cop or just talk with a cop as if he was a friend, like, you know, your boyfriend wouldn't be in the position he's in now, yeah. more or less. And that really hit a head on the, yeah, hit the nail head on, on the, the nail. Yeah. So what was the breaking point then? If this had happened more than once, what was like the final, like, I need out? The, um, so after I had gone to get my second prescription, after I had a, a major, major breakdown, I had, um, so obviously I had this bladder infection. I was feeling nauseous because the drugs were so strong at this point. I was in the bathroom because also the drugs were so strong mm-hmm. and I just got my period. So you can just imagine yeah, your mess. The, yeah, yeah, a mess all around. Yeah. And before I was going to bed, he asked if I wanted to have sex that night. I just looked at him and I was like, you are completely fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just nuts. And I went to bed and that night I woke up and I had a hard time breathing and when I finally, like, you know, fully woke up, I realized that he had shoved his penis in my mouth and I couldn't breathe properly. And then, you know, I wake up and I'm moving and then he wakes up and he pretends like he was asleep through all of it. And it just was, you know, a lucky, a lucky position right. on his part and was like, what's going on? Oh, whoa. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So I was... I didn't know what to do at that point. And yeah. before I had, I had told also my best friend two days before. Oh, well, you had told her kind of I, where things were at, at that point. Yeah. Two days before. Right. Okay. That was, and I was really lucky looking in hindsight that I told her two days before. Cause I don't think if I made that promise to her to leave, if something else happened or to tell somebody, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have. Like an accountability thing. Yeah. Right. Like, I think I would have still like, you know, for some weird reason second-guessed it or like stayed there because I felt like I had no other option or felt really ashamed of myself yeah. or felt embarrassed. Did you embarrassed. feel trapped? Did you I feel did, trapped yeah. Because yeah. I felt ashamed um, that it was even happening. I felt embarrassed. I didn't want to tell my family because we had moved in really close. Mm-hmm. You know, we had moved in just kind of on a whim. It just all happened, mm-hmm. you know, a bit crazy. Yeah. And... I didn't know anyone else who had gone through anything like this before, so yeah. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to express it properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I first told my, my coworker, and then it was my best friend two days before this incident. So when this, you know, final um, incident had happened, it was kind of like the cherry on top where you said, not forget it. This is, yeah. this is it. So then what happened after that? So after that happened, I... Um, I got my sweater. It was probably like two in the morning at this point, And I just left the apartment. I went down and where I was living in Ottawa, there was like, you know, all the suburbs and McDonald's and all that kind of stuff behind me. And then in front was these, um, these fields where they call the experimental farms Mm -hmm. and it's just fields and fields. And I went there and I actually called my parents and I told my parents what was going on and just sat on the phone and bawled with them. And I explained to them like, you know, what was going on and what had you know, been going on for the past little bit. And I'm sure, I'm sure they don't, they still don't know the whole story because I was such a mess Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, Mm -hmm. going everywhere when I was talking about it. But, um, 
Yeah, I, once I got They'd off, hear panic, right? And they would just want to be there to help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So once I got off the phone with them and, you know, decided what was what, they actually came to Ottawa, bless their souls, at like four in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, we were able to, to move everything out. And I had a good friend at that moment, Kyle, and he actually helped move everything out as well and mm-hmm. um, with a few other people to make sure, like, my stuff was, you know, safe and I didn't have to go back to that apartment. And, yeah, my parents ended up taking me back back home. That day? That day. Yeah, yeah. round trip. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. So in the, I guess, too, because then it's almost like, even though you're not necessarily grieving the relationship, it's now like such a fast paced turn of events from like, you've got this mini little lifestyle that you've established and you've got this job and you've got this place that you're living in and rent that you need to pay and bills and whatever. And you've got this guy that I can't even come up with a name for this dude, but, um, you know, someone that you have now just left. So your life just spun around so quickly and now you're back in your hometown. Mm -hmm. So in the days that followed that kind of final episode, um, you know, what were the next few days, weeks like to follow that? They were, well, it's exactly what you said. Like you're changing in a day, you change where like you're living, you're changing your job, you're changing your relationship, you're changing, you know, your lifestyle Mm -hmm. and everything. So it's a big readjustment. And then you're also going back to a town where you have certain, um, a certain routine yeah, or a certain, you know, like you go there and you do this and whatnot. So it's, it was really, really hard. I was like losing my hair. I had patches of my hair mm. gone. Stress. Oh, I was so stressed. I was yeah. so stressed. I didn't know how to communicate with people. I couldn't look men in the eyes. And as a hairdresser and going back into a job, like that's something that mm-hmm. you would want to see in mm-hmm. your hairdresser that they For can sure. at least look at you. Right. Um, so yeah, it was really... It was really hard and really difficult to to explain myself and to portray and to, you know, right. kind of be a part of anything at that point. Because mm-hmm. you'd feel like such a shell of yourself after something yeah, like that, too. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to smile afterwards. It is hard to look people in the eye afterwards. You feel like so much of you has just been stripped. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So, after having moved home and you got a job, so you were back working with hair again and I know that you've made some pretty special connections from working at this place right and so you had some people that help really bring you around mm-hmm. um where where did your I guess because you would have spent like no time interested at all in dating when when did you start dating again after that event I probably started dating um just a little less than a year okay afterwards yeah and were you super hesitant about it at first and i yeah, yeah i was a bit and what kind of what kind of coaxed you into it or, or brought you to that point where you thought you know what maybe i'll have another go at this i think i was just feeling better i think yeah. i just started feeling better about myself and about mm-hmm. the situation and where yeah. i was i gone back to work like you said i met some great people at work i was getting more into a routine i think i mm-hmm. you know just just feeling good and yeah yeah, that self love again. Yeah, that's it for sure. Yeah, um, just just a side note. What you were saying just even about how um, you know someone who carries himself a certain way, or you know that you would hope that someone would look at you in the eye or carry themselves in a bubbly way if they're in a customer service or a frontline type job, right? 
But this is, this is another thing that just really resonates with me is that every single person has a story and you don't know what the person beside you has been through or is currently going through. Yeah. Right. So, um, in, in that, in that time, you know, to have had the people that you have had that you'd worked with at that point too, that are, it's kind of becomes a new safe space. Yeah. For you to go, right? Where you can be you and you can be vulnerable and you can open up about things. Um, I really think that there's so much healing in that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So, okay. So less than a year. So just under a year. So 10 months to a year ish, mm-hmm. you decided to start dating again and you started dating how? I started dating, um, honestly, the same way that I had met this guy before, which was looking back on it now was bizarre on my part but you know what it actually turned out for the better because mm-hmm. we actually had a great relationship for over two years yeah so yeah right and so having had the past that you did and even though you had now you know even since the event in ottawa um and then with your 10 months of you know self-healing and self-work and and growing through that um moving into this new relationship were there any hindrances or anything that kind of held you back from moving into this relationship as you, or did you have a hard time talking about your past? Uh, well, we had, we had a hard time, uh, at the beginning a bit intimately Mm -hmm. and, but once that, once that was surpassed and once that, like he was, it would just flowed Mm -hmm. like it just flowed in such a natural and honest way and was taking it I set the pace for that mm-hmm. and, he and he was, was super respectful and he was so respectful and he yeah. was so good at keeping that pace and where I needed to be until we could both be on the same pace together. Great. Yeah. He, it was amazing. And yeah, he had helped me through a lot with that point and he had restored a lot of, um, boundaries and a lot of, um, reassurance that I can set those boundaries and be heard mm-hmm. and be respected for them. Yeah. That's big. Mm-hmm. So how often did you see him? Uh, we were able, it was a long distance relationship and we were able to see each other, um, most weekends, most weekends. Yeah. yeah that's nice. And when someone, so long distance works, you know, for people that say, ah, oh, long distance sex or it doesn't work. If you have two people that are willing to put the effort in, it works. Yeah. You can make it work. Yeah. You can make anything work. Yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. If you're both in it to win it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I've been there. Um, okay. So tell me some of the great things about him. You know, what helped you heal in this relationship the most, do you think, besides the kind of respect? Did you, did he make you laugh or did you guys get into sharing any of your deepest, darkest secrets? Did you guys meet each other's families? You know, did you start establishing the moments that create those memories that actually you can really hold on to that help you heal? Uh, yeah, we, we actually laughed a lot. Yeah. He's the biggest, one of the biggest goofs that I ever met (laughs) and yeah, he'll definitely break any walls down that, Yeah. yeah, you have up for you know, just like little protective reasons. Mm -hmm. We would go, we would do everything outside. We were very much outdoors people. I met his family. He met my family. You know, we both really liked each other's family. It was, we had a great time and we did share a lot of our past together and Mm -hmm. we shared a lot of our, um, shitty days, great days, like everything. And he was a big, um, he was a big creative person as well. Mm -hmm. And so am I. So anytime we would, you know, create something or make something or, be part of something like we'd share that and be super stoked about it or you know mm-hmm. kind of feed off each other's energy like that right yeah so we we definitely did you know do a lot of things and he definitely helped me uh see things in a different light that's 
really beautiful. It sounds yeah. like it sounds like he slotted into your life really when you needed him most. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he had um he had a good perspective um about how to deal with you know past things or past traumas or you know especially with looking people in the eye or confidence or anything like that. He had such a, a great perspective and a gentle way to say things mm-hmm. that would just click and you know give me the the reassurance when I needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like you read each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. So you said that that relationship was about two years long. So what ended it? Um, just a difference in, in where we were going in life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do other things and he wanted to, to do other things as well. Yeah. And it was, it was something that we actually had battled for a long time in our relationship of, mm-hmm. you know, do I, cause I really wanted to travel for the longest time, yeah. but it's hard when you, you know, when someone is staying put for, you know. For a few years. I get it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I get it. It's, it's one of the hardest yeah. ways to end a relationship yes. is when, you know, you obviously have your good and your bad moments. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you just want to do different things, that's so hard. For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I would argue that those amicable, full of respect type breakups are probably the hardest mm-hmm. because you can't spit a bad word about the person because they're great and they respect you and you respect them and they are a, you know, a top notch character yeah. um, and have treated you with nothing but respect and unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I really think that uh, the people that are really in tune with themselves are the ones that can kind of dig deep and, you know, listen to that intuition saying to them that you guys are great you guys are both fabulous humans and it's okay that you don't match perfectly. Yeah. You know, because, um, it, it's so easy just to fall into that settling, um, you know, where there is that lack of, uh, matching values or matching goals or outlooks on life or things like that. God, it's hard. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should. But, um, no, I totally get it. So yeah. Um, so was it mutual or was it kind of more one-sided? Um, it was, it was one-sided. It was my-sided. Yeah. And it definitely could have, you know, worked in a more graceful way than mm-hmm. I had, you know. How did you end it? Oh gosh. I was so upset one weekend, to be very honest. Yeah. I was, he was supposed to come up and he had put something on hold for this guy that he had just met and it was like we were just at a, a messy part in our relationship uh-huh. where you know I, I felt like I was putting more into it and I was asking you know can I mm-hmm. can I get a little bit more than what I'm getting and um yeah so that that weekend I just I felt like I had enough and I had just um, yeah I had lost it on him to be honest so yeah that's that weekend is where it ended yeah. And when you care about someone, emotions run hot. Yeah. 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 It was, de- it was definitely a passionate weekend, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Right. Yeah. So then, what was your biggest takeaway from your time in this relationship? Well, he, he helped me a lot with, obviously, going through what I had been through mm-hmm. in Ottawa, um, like, fully with that. And then... Yeah. So, like, a vulnerability thing. Just being able to be super vulnerable and open up to people again. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And all the, the intimate ways that you can imagine. Yeah. And he... He also helped me... Well, just touching back on, like, the bipolar thing. That's... Uh, when I was with him in the relationship is when I um, I made the decision to get off my medication. Oh, wow. Yeah. Actually, at his family's house. Interesting. Because yeah. so how did that go down? Uh, we were actually... So, his family lives quite 
uh, like seven hours away. Oh gosh, some some far place. Yeah, yeah. And we were all having a great time. It was just came came about that I had forgotten to take it for a few days. And one day, you know, we were hanging out, and I realized it, and I said it. And he's going, well, how do you feel? How you know? How is everything going so far? I said, you know what? I'm having a great time. Like I don't notice anything. I'm feeling good, and you know, all these these great emotions. And he's like, okay, like, do you do you feel that you need to be on them? Because I had spoken to him about wanting to go off them, but having the right moment, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it just came about that that was the moment that you know, deciding that I wanted to do it, and getting off that medication was. I think if there's one thing that I have to be most proud of in my life, it's getting off that medication because it's literally such a mind fuck. Yes. And after being on it for seven years, Uh that's my biggest accomplishment so far. Yeah. So did you notice any side effects getting off of it or have you just... Oh, yeah. 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 You have to relearn everything emotionally. Really? Yeah. Because it dulls you down. That was the biggest thing. So everything, I cried at everything. Yeah. Like, every tiny little emotion that would come up, whether it be happy or whatnot. But you just have to let it through because these drugs never let you feel that before. Mm -hmm. So it was really weird also being, you know, in your 20s and feeling these things that you should have felt Mm -hmm. in your teenage years. But had never had, like, the authentic moment to experience them because you were on these things. Right. So now you're experiencing them full force. Yeah. All emotions. Yeah. So it was, it was a very, very emotional time. It was very, um, like physically it sucked. Like you're sweating, you're like, you're, you have panic attacks all the time. It's just your body getting used to this drug leaving your body Mm -hmm. and it's, it's horrible. Like you can't sleep, you're cold, like hot sweats, cold sweats, everything like that. You're up, you're down and then you just kind of level out and it goes like natural. Right. And then you just, you're done. Right. So it's so interesting because, you know, when we originally started talking about, you know, topics and stories and what could we share and, and discuss, um, almost like a, not necessarily a misdiagnosis, but like just not as in depth, um, a study or research or testing or anything like that to come up with this, almost this fast, quick label of, bipolar yeah and then you had to deal with that for the the seven years that you were you know labeled with that diagnosis yeah right and I think that I think that's hard for anyone but especially a teenager Mm -hmm. to put that thing on and then say you're gonna have this for the rest of your life right and you're gonna have to like that's such a label and that's Mm -hmm. such a, a thing to say for the rest of your life yeah so so now even you know years years later again so this obviously isn't something that you would ever ever you know, say, you know, this is so-and-so and and I'm, I'm bipolar or whatever or something like that. So you don't, because remember earlier when we'd said, you know, that was never anything that you had fully accepted or or really taken on. Maybe you did earlier on in your diagnosis, but you, you were just taking these pills, Mm -hmm. um, and these, in these medications, um, because you'd been told to, right. So, so after having gone off them, you never, ever felt like maybe I should have stayed on them. No. Amazing. No, never. And now when I tell people, um, you know, like friends that I make now, like, oh yeah, like I was diagnosed, you know, when we get into everything, mm-hmm. um, like the reactions that everyone has are like, what? Like, no way. Like you of all people, like, are you kidding me? That's basically what mine was. Yeah. <laughs> so know. it's like, even that reaction, that's yeah. a bit reaffirming, but even just to process everything a bit better and a mm-hmm. bit, you know, 
yeah more sound now it's so rewarding and it's so uh freeing to do it on my own terms instead of with medication or with something or with a crutch of some kind it's like authentic clarity yeah for sure so okay so in your in the relationship when you wanted to travel and he wanted to stay put you had that desire to travel so did you jump right into traveling after you ended your relationship no i was a wreck (laughs) yeah okay i guess too really because if this all happened you know you're coming off of these meds you've just had a breakup and life has just changed for you again. Well, I had some time before, like, I had get off my meds and then had the breakup. Okay. So it was, it wasn't, um, I don't feel like it was full in effect by that time that mm. I was still, you know, going through all my ups and downs and right. getting readjusted. Um, but I gave myself a year just to, one, like, hustle my butt and make the most money as I could. Mm-hmm. And also, two, just to, like, relax and breathe and get used to like everything again after you know you get out of a relationship you just want to kind of float for a little bit Mm -hmm. you don't want to really do anything so I just wanted to work make money and work on me yeah with traveling in mind um I think I made the goal of traveling um maybe uh four months after we broke out yeah yeah and so then this making money was like I'm gonna save up as much as I can and then just travel yeah so I took a second job and I just worked my butt off yeah so where did your travels take you um I've been um to west coast of Canada I was there for a bit just bumming around Mm -hmm. I was in Australia also just bumming around all my travels were just bumming around I I was just I was just taking (laughs) it where it wanted to take me for sure yeah and it took me to some pretty interesting places I'll tell you that um yeah, so after, yeah, Australia, Indonesia, I freaking love Indonesia, such yeah. a beautiful country, and then going, oh, yeah, just going, like, on Lombok and, like, back in the jungle, so cool, mm-hmm. to Thailand, to, like, the north-north of Thailand, to Sri Lanka. Amazing. So cool, yeah, so many beautiful countries, beautiful people, Yeah. so many, like, amazing experiences that I could never get from staying here. Mm-hmm. But I'm so, I'm so glad I had them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've always said that, traveling gives you an education that no institution ever will yeah you know yeah it it teaches you things about the world about culture about language about people about about yourself yourself. (laughs) that's where i was going yeah i know about yourself like inside out yeah what makes you tick well that's how you judge a person's characters you know how how do you act when no one else is watching and that's essentially traveling yeah no one that you know is watching you so you have you know, everything and nothing mm-hmm. all for you and against you. That's right. So that's, I think that's the best way to judge someone's character. And then you, you have no attachments. It's just all, yeah. What a, be- oh yeah. I wish everyone can travel and just go and do what they need to do. I know. And I think that that's been one of my, one of my struggles, even just with the traveling thing is because I, I wish more, it's like it's a selfish wish that I wish everybody <laughs> could travel more, but I just know that that is not in some people's, you know, lineup of interest mm-hmm. at all. Right. But yeah. Oh gosh. I just see how it has shaped me as a person and I just know how much everyone would benefit from a solo trip somewhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially a solo trip. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to do it with a friend or a partner or yes. whatnot, but a solo trip, yeah, 
God, I wish the same for people that selfish wish, but I know. <laughs> you need to travel. <laughs> you got shit going on. You need to travel. Get up and go. Yeah, I, I know that's with me and my one way tickets. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. Okay, so you traveled. So you did West Coast. You did Australia. You did Indonesia. Oh, that's on my list. Yeah, you're going there soon. Uh, yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm excited. Um. And actually, I'm going to be doing some recordings there, so that's going to be sweet. You're just going all over the world with Oh, <laughs> I know. Worldwide. So then, um, when we met last summer, well, I'd obviously seen you around before then, but like, I just feel like I really got to know you last summer, mm-hmm. and that really sparked my interest in you and who you are as a person. And when we, well, I call it when we met, but we obviously, like <laughs> I said, so... When we had a reconnection. Yes, that's <laughs> it. Um, you were dating a guy then who I also met. Are you still together? Yeah. You are. Yeah, we are. We're actually um, living abroad right now. Cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're we're trying just to figure out our, our stuff, which yeah. is, you know, natural part of life and being a couple and whatnot. Definitely. Um, yeah. Especially on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a bit of a, a trip being in a different country and doing with different rules. But yeah. Um, yeah, he's... We're still together. Super, super sweet. Super, yeah, great relationship. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking with him this morning, and I was saying how I was nervous to be on your show. Yeah. And I was, you know, had the jitters and whatnot because of my topics, and he was like, you know what, like, you're, like, don't be nervous because you're giving it power when you're nervous, and you're bigger, and you're stronger, and, like, that's where you came from, and you're past all of that. You've grown so much, and you're, you know, so much bigger than where you were, so. That is beautiful advice. Right? What a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. Thanks, lovey. Yes! So special! (laughs) I love that he just really honors everything that you are and have been and have been through. Holy smokes. So what is he doing down there? He's, um, he's actually going to school. Going to school? Yeah. Cool, for what? For a chef. (gasps) Cool. Yeah. So you'll eat well forever. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Does he kind of naturally have a knack for it already? Oh, yeah. He's the cooker. I'm the cleaner. I do the dishes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually like my last relationship even too. I I enjoy cooking, but he was just better at it. And I'm pretty OCD about dishes, so he'd make the mess and I'd tidy up and it worked well for me. Yeah. I don't mind at all. No. I'm happy to to cook. I'm happy to do whatever, but... um, I'm just such a squirrel brain that there's just other things I got to (laughs) do. I just eat on the fly. Yeah. So what's next? Um, What's next for you guys with your travels? Um, We actually don't know at the moment. Right. So how long is this program? Um, If, if it's, uh, it's year by year. So Mm -hmm. it's a three year, but he'll get a diploma each year. Awesome. Yeah. And then I'm starting my working visa. So it'll be, um, yeah, hopefully three years if I can make that last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there three years now? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to do six months on your second year. I got ripped year. off. I did, well, because I did my second year visa work in central Queensland, but we didn't get three years. It just came in last year. Oh, yeah, lucky. I got a good time. That's really cool. <laughs> so then what are you doing for work down there? Um, I don't know yet. I'll I'll have to wait and see when I, when I go there and yeah. yeah figure it out as the time comes. Do you have any kind of preferences? Do you, are you thinking hair stuff? Are you thinking maybe serving or... um. Honestly, whatever comes first, yeah. whatever I can find first, I'll probably take it until yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very so cool. So see, see where it all takes me, follow the path again. Yeah, such a fabulous idea, just following your intuition, following the path. And you and I have already spoken just about how much we trust the universe. 
Yeah. You know, even even the shitty things that come our way, unfortunately, you know, when they happen, all of these things, the goods and the bads, they really shape who we are. And even with traveling, like we've talked about how, you know, even when you're bumming around, the experiences that you have when you are just bumming around yeah. can be the most influential. Absolutely. Right? They totally can. Is there anything that has happened in your travels that, you know, in the moment or in the process, you just had this overwhelming feeling of this is so meant to be? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you share one with us? It's, um, oh, gosh. I know, being put on the spot for something so, like that, because there are, there's so, so many. And it can yeah. just be, like, meeting a person that, like, it instantly feels like you're just, like, you're re-meeting a family member or something mm-hmm. like that, or being, actually, here's a good one. When I was, when I first arrived in Australia, I was, um, you know, I was planning to go up to the famous spot where everyone wants to go to, to Byron Bay, so I ended up getting this ride with this guy named, um, Simon, and he actually ended up not taking me to Byron Bay, but past Byron Bay in the land a bit to this community, and that was the, like, that has sparked so many things, being just dropped off there, because he's like, yeah, I think you'll like it. If you don't, I can bring you back to somewhere else or wherever you want to go. I and actually Nimbin? had... No. No? <laughs> I know Byron no, Bay. it wasn't Nimbin. <laughs> but you know the Nimbin bus? Yeah. It was not Nimbin. <laughs> okay. Okay, so he dropped you off in this little community. In this little community. And, uh, yeah, had told me, like, if you don't like it, like, I'll bring you to wherever you want. Like, I actually had, like, a hostel booked and everything mm-hmm. at this point to, to go somewhere else. But I was like, yeah, like, take me... Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in a car with you for two days, so what, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Gonna, you know? So, um, yeah, it was just an amazing, an amazing place that actually taught me so many things. Such a, oh God, so many people that I'm still connected, so connected with today mm-hmm. and that I can just, you know, be so free with them, so vulnerable to learn to, to whatever. And it was yeah. just, I don't think I've ever had like such an aha moment as that moment. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely the one that, like, yeah. Hits you right in the soul. Felt so meant to be. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. It was a crazy up and down community and just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So with your life experiences and with the travel and those aha moments and everything, um, if, if one of our listeners is, you know, going through a really terrible time or is experiencing... Uh, sexual abuse in a relationship or maybe knows someone that is experiencing sexual abuse in a relationship right now what would your advice be to them um well about the sexual abuse it would be to to talk about it to tell someone um if if you feel trapped there's always something that can help you not be trapped Mm -hmm. whether it be that one friend or that family member or something or if you don't have that there's resources and there's amazing resources in this community there's amazing resources in toronto it could be just as simple as going like to the hospital and speaking to somebody about it but they will tell you their options and there's other things that you can do then you know to stay in the situation that you're in right and there's always you know i think people get tied up in the fact that you know i'm not in my hometown or you know i have a job here or i have a life here or i have you know this is my house this is my you know, everything that you've really yeah. worked for almost. Yes. And like, everything is so, I feel like that hindsight is twenty twenty. It sounds so cliche, but it's so real. Yeah. Because even having been in, you know, a terrible situation myself, I remember, like you said earlier about the shame and that guilt. And even now looking back and thinking like, I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. I told my best friend the morning after, and she was really trying to, <clears throat> to coax me through 
you need to tell someone, you need to call the police, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I remember thinking, I can't. And I came up with all of these excuses mm-hmm. as to why I couldn't. Um, and yeah, but it's so true for people that have been in this, um, that hindsight is twenty twenty, And that if that awful event was to happen again... Yeah. You know, you wouldn't stand for it. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Or you would tell someone, or you would go to the police, or you would tell your family, or whatever. And that that guilt and that shame wouldn't stand in place because you would feel more liberated by telling someone and maybe having that person caught or mm-hmm. off the street or arrested or learning a lesson of some sort that obviously is coming their way. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of girls or a lot of... um yeah, just people in general won't talk about it because it is still, like, a taboo right. subject. Or more people are coming about it now, but mm-hmm. people still need, um, you know, a bit more strength to come forward with their stories and to say what they need to say or their experiences or don't feel like their experiences are valid because it's not the worst one right. in the book. Yep. So, um, yeah, just to feel that, like, your story has value. Yeah, you and, matter. Yeah, and your story matters. And to to talk about it with other people will give them the confidence to speak about it with other people mm-hmm. or talk about their whatever they need to go through. Yeah. So, yeah, talk about it for you, but also for other people as mm-hmm. well. And get Definitely. out, you know, there's always there's always a plan B. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. There is. Definitely. And for everything else, I would always just say trust your gut, listen to your body. Yeah. Like, if you're traveling, if you're, Big time. you know, on medication, whatever, just listen, listen to, to your, your body. Gut. Yeah. It's always your talking to you. Oh, yeah. Your intuition. Yeah. My bestie. Big that's time. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you do need to listen. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like today a lot of people will, um, and I have a hard time with this too sometimes to, to, I feel like I need to justify not doing something because like, oh, I just have a feeling not to do it. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling not to go there today. Well, why? Well, be- my gut tells me. Mm-hmm. I feel like for myself, I have a hard time saying like, okay, it's just my gut. Right. I feel like I need to justify that to other people mm-hmm. and to just say like, no, that's it. Okay, cool. And just leave it at that. Yeah. It's, yeah, that feeling like you need to explain yourself. Yeah. Whereas like you do, you need to just own. Own your intuition and Own your intuition and your choice. And the fact yeah. that you have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, so... What, when it comes to self-care, when, you, when you've been through something really, really um, traumatic and devastating and awful and really life-altering, um, what forms of self-care have brought you to the self-love and the beautiful human that's sitting across from me today? Um, I write a lot. Yeah. I have a huge tubbleware thing full of journals. Yeah. I'm a writer through and through. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely one of my anchors that pulls me back. Mm-hmm. Um, also being out in nature mm-hmm. and Nature's getting, yeah, reconnected yeah. in that the most natural way mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. And then also, once again, just listening to your body. What do I need? Do I need to sleep? Do I need to, you know, eat better? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Do I need to get out? Do I need to go in the lake and just scream underwater? Do I need to mm-hmm. whatever? Yeah. And when I have that time to do that time or to do it unapologetically, Mm-hmm. Unapologetically, I love that. Yeah. Because self-care for everyone is a little bit different. It's it's definitely about knowing yourself and knowing what you need now. Mm-hmm. What do you need right now? What does your body need? What's your your soul need? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dig deep. And that's, yeah, I think that's part of 
my following the path and I, th- I feel like that's part of everyone's mm-hmm. path to follow is like where does your self-care go and, and trusting is... it yeah back to the intuition mm-hmm. right you know we've all got these completely different paths and whether they cross or not it is what it is but we definitely need to know and just honor our own yeah our own journeys because god they're fun yeah <laughs> they like gosh we have some terrible most of it <laughs> right we have some terrible things that happen to us for sure we do but it's about just growing through that. Oh, and absolutely. And it's temporary. It's not forever. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, one, of my, one of my guests um, from a few weeks ago said something about, you know, sitting in the ick. You've got to sit in the ick. And then often when you're sitting in it, it's, you know, that growth through it. And even just think of a beautiful lotus grows through the mud. Yeah. It sounds super cliche, it. but guys, it grows through the mud. It yeah. needs mud to grow. It grows literally through the shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You have to have those times though to appreciate when the times are good to see where you've grown to be like, man, like I got through that. So guess what? Next time when something comes up, I I got it. it. Exactly. Deuces up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's like, I got this for sure. Thank you so much for your time and for your stories and your vulnerability. It means so much to me. Thank you for having me here. I've had so much fun. I'm so actually, what you said was right. I'm so much more relaxed than when we started. (laughs) I know. So for the listeners even too, you know, even when I start this and I'm just the host, I'm not even the one that's sharing too much right now that I get jitters. I get all nervous and excited, but I, I really think that just being able to sit down in such an intimate way like this and just be able to look at each other yeah. and, and just open up. Yeah. In a safe space in my little safe haven. Here. And oh, this little amazing den. I know. That's Isn't so it special? <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. I, I'm, I, I feel really honored. Thank you for having thank me you. and listening. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of the safe haven podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe, like, share these episodes and comment as you follow along. Tell all your friends. Your generous support keeps the sharing and the messages coming your way. You can find the Safe Haven podcast on iTunes and Podbean and on Spotify. You can also follow along on Instagram at the Safe Haven podcast for the latest updates. See you next week.